podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 186 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. We're all back from our, our late summer holidays, should we say. Um, I'm looking looking like a, a wish version of David Hasselhoff, with a lovely, lovely bronze tan, and, uh, and Liam Peter have returned from their, their stag expedition in Edinburgh. A little worse for wear, but delighted to say joining us once again is the fourth wheel of the podcast, and that's Phil Haywood. Phil, how are you after you know a, a weekend of uh, no Everton football club? Hi, mate. Hi, boys. Okay. Um, no, it's been great. It's, um, it's been a relief, really. Uh, obviously, like you said, there to my holidays. Obviously, I got stuck in Greece for a couple of days, and then then and then missed the uh, missed the Doncaster game in the end because um, obviously the flight time. So the time I had to get to go and see them. I um I miss a win, so <laughs> it was nice um just to have no no game this weekend and obviously get back to to normality of going back to work and things. But well, we we messaged didn't we because I I think yeah. I just um I was just going away and we we sort of said you know oh oh <laughs> you know you would you back before the Doncaster game I said hopefully you know all, all being well mm. um you get back that that's right I'd landed that's right and I'd mm-hmm. flown on the day when the air traffic control situation had all kicked off I'd literally out of the country just before it all it all kicked off and I said to you hopefully your flight gets cancelled I'm going to go and start with the Doncaster and watch everything and <laughs> it happened so that that was my fault I think that was uh, that was that was down to me but but no it was uh, yeah it was it was good obviously we're not going to go over. Go over the games, obviously Doncaster, Sheffield United. You know, we, we got a, a win in the cup, albeit a, a bit of a scruffy one by by all accounts. But a win's a win. Obviously, first goal for for Dan Juma and also new signing better. We we're going to discuss in, in more details shortly. And then obviously, uh, you know, I suppose morale boosting draw at Sheffield United after a decent ish performance. We really, you know, you could argue a point was probably fair, but we had our chances to to win that game. But I think, you know. Since we've been since we've been away, a lot's gone on. Of course, a transfer window closed, um, and we find ourselves now with a, a squad of about 25, 26 players. And it, you know, by all accounts, we, we we missed out. I would say uh, on probably two or three players that we probably needed in certain areas. Centre half probably being one, another centre mid, and another wide player would have been probably top of top of my my list. Uh, a lot of links. Obviously, Willie Nonso's name appeared again late on. Um, but we lost, you know, Alex Awobi went out the door and something that, we, that we've not discussed. And a player that, at times, I'd say sort of much much vilified by Everton fans in terms of you, you've got you've got people who believe that, that he makes a huge contribution and, and his stats back, back that up on our degree. You know, we've been advocates of, of Alex Awobi. Um, we think he does bring a lot to the Everton side, and you know, in terms of assists, especially last season, he certainly did. But also his creative play, and 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 also what he what he tries to do in that final third. But the windows closed, Pete. And what what are your thoughts, given the fact that we have let Alex Abobi go? I'm going to come on to obviously Demari Gray in a minute as well. Um, no one 
came in on on deadline day, and, and we saw the likes of obviously Iwobi, Tom Cannon, another player who who went as well. We saw us getting to the players. No one else came in. Do you think you know from between now and, and January we're going to be we're going to find ourselves a little bit short? Potentially, I, I think we're going to need a lot of luck with injuries. Um, I, I think it would be unfair to to call the window a, a, a failure because we're all very aware of the you know the very tight and very strange kind of financial situation surrounding the club. I don't think anyone truly knows the you know the full extent of it and. Obviously, we've still got to wait to see what happens in October. Um, but I think it'd be fair to say that the window's been a, a, a disappointment. You know, centre-forward was the, the massive, massive priority. And we'll come on to talk a bit about Beto. But it seems like the, the club have potentially re- recruited really well into that position. And uh, hopefully that will really benefit Calvert-Lewin as well. But yeah, Alex Awobi, um is a massive loss, I, I think, because... Just of his his endeavour, his work rate. Uh, I think he, when you have a player like him in the team, I think it, it gives the rest of the team momentum. I think we rel- really rely on him as a an outlet at times to to get us up the pitch. He's one of the few players that can carry the ball. Yeah, he's coming for a lot of stick. I think for maybe some of his final product at times. But you, you're absolutely right when you look at the stats. You know, relative to other Everton players, he's he's been one of our um, our most productive assets. So the fact that we've let him go and maybe not brought anybody else in that can step into that role, um, it, it is concerning. I know we've got Jack Harrison, but f- for me, if and when he does, he does come in, when he, he does regain enough fitness, it's not it's not enough like for like. He's a very different player for me. Um, so I think we'll really miss Alex Awobi, and I, I just hope we don't. It doesn't prove to be crucial. Um, We'll come on to talk about Damari Gray as well, but I, I think for me that that's a bad double whammy because um, I I really like Damari Gray. I know you, you might not get the, the same defensive output out of him, but I think he he was one of our few attacking players with you know real quality, real ability to to turn a game, change a game. You know you go back to the Manchester City game that equaliser he scored, the Arsenal. Goal he scored. Uh, he's one of the few players in the Everton squad with the ability to to find a winning goal like that. Um, you know, c- can go either side. You know, tricky, dangerous, and I, I think some. I think like Alex Awobi, sometimes Damari Gray gets underestimated for um, the type of player he is. So I, I think we could end up really, really missing the two of them. Um, and you know we we know what January transfer windows are like nowadays. That they're not a great time to recruit, and I don't think we can be too hopeful looking forward that we'll we'll be any busier in January. Um, so it's a bit of a strange one, really. Well, it's it's that right hand side, isn't it? Really, because if you look at the players that have gone, Alex Obi's been playing there now for for quite a while. Whether you know he plays better off the left or he prefers to play centrally is another matter. But you know, Sean Dyche, Frank Lampard, they, they all trusted him to play on that right-hand side. And with him going, with Damari Gray going, obviously, one, you know, our window closed, but the the, the Saudi window was still open and he, he went, obviously, in the last few days or so. We find ourselves now, we've been playing James Garner out there, um, you know, over the last, the last couple of games or so. For me, it doesn't really work. No no slight on him, but he's not a right winger. It, it's as simple as that. 
you look at going forward, is it going to be a case of Dan Juma left and, and McNeil playing on the right-hand side? We know Dwight McNeil's natural game is to play on the left-hand side. He's so left-footed, it's, it's unbelievable. And he likes to get that to, to the byline and, and pull a ball across. That That's his game. Now, we because we haven't got the balance right, and Sean Dyche said multiple times about trying to get the balance right in this in this transfer window. For me, we haven't. And we've left ourselves with, with, with a, a huge hole on that right-hand side. Is that a concern for you, Phil? Because, yet again, you know, we, we found ourselves in the first three or four games of this season already, sort of a square peg round hole situation where you're trying to just put players in, you know, to, to try and get through games. James Garner, obviously, is is one example. Um, you know, we, we've seen the likes of uh, Dan Juma obviously play up top and really he likes to play off the left-hand side, which obviously we've also seen as well. We're seeing players playing in positions which which they shouldn't really be playing. Obviously, we've got players to come back in, but I just think that the balance that the manager was was looking for with the sales of Alex Iwobi and Damari Gray has been lost almost. No, I think you're right, Mike. And I again agree with everyone Pete said there. I think the key word that you've mentioned there is balance. And I think it's very unbalanced. And I think it's very lopsided. Like, um, we clearly, for me, Gardner's doing it. Um, James Gardner's doing a job out there, and I, I don't think it works defensively. Obviously, regarding Patterson, and I know he's had a lot of stick, but I just don't think that works at all. Like cover and things like that on that side. Um, on the left hand side, obviously Jack Harrison, when he does eventually come back, he, he did his best part of his football as a left winger. You've got Dwight McNeil, and you've got Dan Juma. Obviously, likes that side as well. Um, now, whether he puts Dwight McNeil in the centre, but then I think you're, you're over-flooded with central players as well um, and all similar kind of players. Like, for me, Onana box-to-box, but he doesn't do enough for me, although I think he's, his performance second half against Sheffield United was was fairly good. Uh, Garner Gay, you know what you're going to get with him. Uh, the Corey, box-to-box, he looks like he's the only one threatened who's going to score from midfield. Um, but like you said, I, I think we always used, didn't use Iwobi to the best of his ability. I never thought he was a right wing, and I thought he was doing like a James Garner job, just fitting in a position. I think Fulham, the first game of the season, um, was one of the, some of the best football, or some of the best players I've seen him play in a long time, where he, he actually ran past a player. He liked to cut inside. Obviously, his shot was quite his shots were quite weak, and I think that's the thing with Iwobi. He seems to fall to pieces final third, but... Again, like Peter, I think he will be missed massively alongside Gray because they either assist assist or they'll get an assist or, or you know they'll or they'll come up with the odd goal here or there. And and the replacements that we've well, you know signed early in the window, you don't know what Jack Harrison how he's going to come back. He might break down again. Um, but it, I it, I do worry. We we have to have a lot of a look with with the. Um, with the injury situation, but it's very lopsided left hand side. Um, and it's qu- left is quite vulnerable, really. Um, out wide on the right, I think you're right. I think, I think it does leave that vulnerability. And, and also, you know, when you're you know, we're a side that needs our, our wingers to to offer offer cover and, and be and be defensively sound as well. And with Dwight McNeil on the left, I think we, we, we've we had that often in the last sort of six months or so since since Sean Dice came in. Obviously, he returned to the to the, uh, to the the squad and got about 15 minutes or so against Sheffield United. So hopefully, he'll be good to go for the for the Arsenal game. But then that right-hand side is, is, is a massive puzzle for me. You know, with no Seamus Coleman, 
Obviously, Nathan Patterson is coming for a little bit of stick. I think at times it's, um, it's a bit unfair. I think that defensively he's been he's been okay. I do think there's a lot of work there to be done. But he's, he's a young kid. You know, he's only he's only played I think senior games between thirty and forty games in his career. So very much like Amadou Onana when he first came in, he played a handful of games really in, in men's football. That's a big thing, and you need to start to to get partnerships going throughout the side, whether it be the two centre-halves, whether it be left-hand side, right-hand side, the middle of midfield, whatever the situation is. And, and I think the right-hand side is a massive, massive problem area for us because at the moment, and even with players who, who are going to come back in, where where do we get that balance from? And, and that's a that's a, a huge, a huge issue, I think, going forward. And it's, I think, you know, I think it was obvious, you know, the, the article that came out in The Athletic after the transfer window closed, uh, and it said that literally Everton spent €3 million Euros on the a loan fee for, for Dan Juma. Everything else was done on buy now, pay next year. So it likes of Beto, likes of Yusuf Chibiti. Obviously, we've got Ashley Young in on a three uh, and obviously a loan deal for, for uh, Jack Harrison as well. So very much a case of the, there was very little in the way of outgoing. Obviously, Everton would have had to have paid something for deals that he did last year. So obviously, Onana, I'm sure there was some kind of money due for that kind of deal, for example. So Everton uh, are very much up against it financially. It's very, very clear. And that's why, you know, you mentioned there, Peter, obviously with, with January, say three or four months away, what will we actually do in January? Well, chances are nothing is, is probably the, the honest truth because at the moment, the investment still hasn't come in. We know MSP Capital have, have come away. There's loads of talk again about 777. There's also, I think, an Asian consortium that's been mentioned as well. Um, so we expect, obviously, investments to, to come in over the next three or four months. It's not guaranteed. We thought the investment would have come in from MSP by now. But unfortunately, given the fact that we have a, have a third party who we owe £200 million to almost calling the shots, we don't know how it's going to play out. So it's not, not been easy for, for Kevin Felwell and, and Sean Dice, I think, in terms of the players that they brought in. I think they all offer something. I think that, you know, we're going to discuss better with more detail in a second, but I think that they certainly add to the squad. I think if you ask me, is the squad stronger than it was at the end of last season? I percent potentially say no, just from the sheer fact that we've lost two two decent centre halves. Probably, you know, in Jeremy and Connor Cody, who would certainly improve the side that we've got at this moment in time. Um, Alex Obobi's gone, obviously. Damari Gray's gone. Um, I think we potentially improved, or well, the striking the striking area. Yet we probably have, but I think the wide area is maybe maybe balanced it out a little bit with Harrison and Dan Juma. But I think we I think we are lacking in certain areas, um, and that that's a concern. But what do you think, Pete? Do you think we've come out of the transfer window in a better state, or do you think that, like I've just said, then I believe that currently compared to what we added on that last game of the season, in terms of the, the squad, not, not those who were available and who weren't. Do you think the squad is, is as strong as it was then? I think we've come out of the window marginally better. Um, and the, the reason I say marginally is, is again, probably because of, of Beto uh, and how, you know, how reliant we are on that profile of centre-forward to to play the way we need to play. And, and as well, to be competitive in the Premier League, you know, we've said it many times on... On this podcast, you need a particular type of centre forward in order to have success in this league, and it seems like we've we've got someone that can 
not just back up Calvert-Lewin, but offer him competition and also hopefully allow, um, you know, Chimiti to develop and it, it takes a bit of pressure off him. So I, I do think there's lots of positives in that regard, but I completely agree with what you and Phil were just saying. We look very, very imbalanced in midfield. Um, you know, Phil referenced James Garner there and you, you feel for him because I, you know, I think James Garner's clearly a very talented football player um, and I'd, I'd love to see him in a, a central midfield role just just to see what he can do and how he develops for us and um it, it's not Dice's system but you know you look how open we've been in midfield and you can't help but think you know what would it be like if you kind of hit, had him and Garner Gay alongside each other would it just give us a bit of protection and you've got two players then that can receive the ball and look up from from defense but you know whether it's due to personnel or that imbalance we we might not be able to see that, but that yeah, that right hand side's a it's a real worry, isn't it? And like you were saying, Mike, if if we do have people that can cover there, it feels like just that, you know, cover players having to adapt, whether it's, you know, James Garner or Dan Jume or or Jack Harrison, it's not their natural position, it's not the best position. Um and that then makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? Uh not just from an attacking perspective, but you also reference Nathan Patterson, who's likely going to play more football than Seamus Coleman, we imagine. And he needs support. So if you have a player in front of him who's not a natural right-sided midfielder, again, you're just causing yourself unnecessary problems. And you look at the way that we started the season and the kind of lineage of the past, that you know, the past two years, it's it's not good. And, you know, maybe it's the wrong time to start launching a bit of an inquest to, to ask the questions of, you know, what, why has this happened? Again, when as a fan base, it's so clear what we need. Why have we come out of a another transfer window, arguably um, weakened, but inarguably weaker in in particular areas? You know, why would you let two wide players go in Alex Wobie and Damari Gray and and not get a single replacement? Uh, and you, you know, you just hope come January or you know, come like March, April time, we're not raking over this issue. Is it? kind of defining our season and, and causing us lots of problems. Um, but I, th- I think going back to what I said earlier, we're going to need a lot of luck with with injuries, um, players staying fit and players being able to adapt. You know, let, let's hope we get to see Dan Junior on that right-hand side and he's you know he's just as capable as he is on the left. But I, I think we're in the territory of a lot of ifs, buts and maybes um, when really what we need is is much more certainty. I was just thinking that I've been thinking for for a while, uh, obviously since the break, and it wouldn't surprise me if um, you know when when we obviously had Moyes and, and and Phil Neville play right back, and obviously Coleman played right side. Would could that potentially happen with Coleman and I Patterson? Obviously Coleman's still injured, but then thinking if it was sooner, could you not switch Young as a right back? And he's constantly in Patterson's ear, and then obviously Mikalenko yesterday against Saka as a left back. Um, just for that experience, just for that, because for me, Patterson, I just think he is build. I think he's he looks very shy, he's very timid, and I think he's easy to get at. But maybe further forward with maybe an experienced guy behind him. Obviously, that 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 assist he got for the for the uh, equaliser, Sheffield United. He's obviously got that in his locker, and he does like to go up and down. So maybe that could be an option because Pert, when when McNeil came on against Sheffield United on the right hand side, hand side, I thought oh. Lampard vibes kind of thing. Obviously, his best works on the left, but obviously Dan Jume with the Fulham game when he went through one and one and hit the post. Obviously, he scored in the, in the Doncaster and the 
Sheffield United game. I do feel he's a real goal presence, Dan Zuma. Different, a bit like a Kevin Morales. I think he will get a sense. Kevin Morales, we haven't really had a winger who will notch up with goals and assists regularly. So I, I do feel he has to play, which then could leave McNeil, James Garner in that midfit in the sense of it, like Pete said, as a six. And then maybe at the Corey further back of Garner Gay. But just thinking what your thoughts are, maybe passing higher up and maybe a young or a, a Col obviously it's a bit too soon for Coleman, but similar reference to what happened with Phil Neville and Coleman, maybe? I think it's just on the manager, Gary, isn't it? Because he, yeah. he seems to be a little bit reluctant in terms of, I say, putting players out of position. That, that's a lie because he, he's done it quite often because he's had to. But I think she's also, when there's being called, say, to, to play players in sort of uh, alien alien positions, probably the, the best example I've got is probably Michael Keane. When we say, well, why don't you give him a go? We're sure also top I haven't got a striker. Mm-hmm. I get Michael Keane to go up there just for the, for the sheer physical presence. We know we can strike a ball, we know we can head the ball. Maybe a little bit extreme, a little bit different, but it, you know, it's, it's for the mind. Yeah, unfortunately, it's what he's going to pay for to to find solutions to problems. And I wouldn't be averse to that. I mean, taking a little bit of defensive responsibility away from Patterson, it, it might not be a bad thing. Like you say, you've got that experience behind him, and either Seamus Coleman or, or Ashley Young. I don't think Ashley Young's been great at left back. I've got to be honest, and 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 I was I was satisfied with him coming in. Um, and and I know it's it's probably it's not not a sweeping statement, but he's um. He struggled for me since since the start of the season, and I'll be quite I'll be quite happy to, to throw Michalenko back in there. To be honest, especially with the Arsenal game coming up, I thought he was terrific against them last season at home in the in the one nil win. I thought he had a decent game yesterday, and people will say obviously he got caught out for the England goal, but I thought uh, against Saka in particular, he, he was rough, wasn't he? <laughs> obviously with with Sunday's game in mind, he was leaving his foot in, he was giving him a little shove here and there. I thought he defended quite well. Um, I wouldn't be averse to, to taking Ashley Young out of the equation at left back and, and moving him over, but you know it's, that right hand side is going to cause issues for for the mind you. You know we, we've seen the likes of obviously Lewis Dobbins come in. Uh, it's a struggle for him. You know for me the kids should have been loaned out, but because of the situation we find ourselves in, he wasn't, and and it's 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 not great thing for his development to be in and around the squad, but probably not getting a great deal of game time. To be honest, and I know the man just spoken highly of him over the course of pre-season, but he needs to go and play regular first team football. Let's let's get it right in the championship or or in League One, and and that, that that's a real shame. But Lee's just come in, just come into the uh, into the call, and ju- just I'll fire a question to you, Lee, if I can, before we move on to to discuss Beto. We were just saying about the right hand side, and obviously the transfer window closed. We let Awobi go, we let Demari Gray go. We now find ourselves with with this little bit of, a, of an imbalance. A lot of left-handed sided players, attacking-wise, you know, whether it be Dan Juma, McNeil, Harrison, who prefers to play out there. The right-hand side now seems to be very short on on numbers, and we've already seen James Garner having to play there. Lewis Dobbins being over there. Um, what are your thoughts on going forward? Phil Phil suggested potentially, you know, do you look to push? Patterson up to play wide right and then bring in Seamus Coleman or, or put Ashley Young uh, behind him at, uh, at right back. Yeah, we're basically like left wing FC at the minute, aren't we? Uh, with the left mids we've got. Um, you know my thoughts on it. I, I don't know what you think, Phil. I was just devastated we couldn't get Nonto over the line, if I'm honest. Not because he's a right mid and we need a right mid. It's more about he's an exciting player to watch. You know what I mean? And he's He's, I think he's got loads of potential. He's only 19. He's in the Italian international. You know, um, we still like saw enough of him. Delafay vibes, Lee. A bit, wasn't it? 
Be yeah, like, you know what? It's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah, just just gets you off your seat type of player. You know what I mean? Just like runs at people. I think he was right up there in terms of number of dribbles. You know what I mean? In the league, you know, he, he squares up opponents. He's a bit, a bit of a throwback in that respect. But he's also got a goal in him as well. You know, he scored some in, in, you know, in the time he had uh, with Leeds when he played last season. He scored, you know, I remember him scoring a great goal at Old Trafford after two minutes right in the bottom corner. He scored that worldy of a scissor kick for Leeds as well, didn't he? I think that was from a Harrison ball as well, actually. Um, but um, I was just gutted we couldn't get that over the line. And, and to be honest... Um, Everton of a previous era, when we were a bit more awash of money, would have probably got would have got that deal done. Um, if you look at the, you know Paddy's article in the week, I think overall we've spent cash wise three million euros. So I can guarantee you now we'd have gone over to Leeds hierarchy and said, well, look, we'll buy him, but can we stick like you know five hundred grand up front or something cheaper like that probably? You know what I mean? And they were telling us where to go. But um, well, in answer to your question. Um, it's a really real, it's a real problem. I don't think Garner, as much as I think, you know, I think there's real potential there with the lad, and he's got a lot, lots of assets to his game. Um, he's not a right mid, is he? He's, he's just not a right mid. You know, I think the only asset he's got to his game that would suit him being right mid is that he's got a good delivery on him. You know, he, he can whip a ball, as he showed the other week when he put a great ball in that. Uh, you know, um, the core and he scored, and the keeper made a worldy of a save. Um, but ultimately, no, I, I just think he's kind of wasted out there. And, and Awobi, I said to you, Mike, before the night, he was almost guilty of his of his own work rate. The fact that he was shoved not only by this manager, but other managers out to the right-hand side because of the fact they know he'll get up and down that touchline and he'll cover his full-back. You know, Garner, that, that side of the game doesn't really come naturally to him. I agree with Phil's point. I think that's a good shout, maybe, because Patterson's natural instinct is to, is to drive with the ball and get forward, isn't it? Uh, he could work on his delivery. I think he's got the technique for a good ball, but he just doesn't always pull it off. You know what I mean? I know he put a great ball in for, for our goal um, to make it 2-2 two, two, two against Sheffield United. But, I mean, that's that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. He's barely got any assists, doesn't he? He does get into some great positions. So, that's not a bad shout. Then maybe play young at right back because we know he can, he can cover both sides. Or even, potentially, because... Let's be honest, with Jimmy Garner's played pretty well at right back for, for England under 21, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? So do you even reverse the roles there and say you drop back into right back because you're a bit more solid and you've obviously played, you know, you, you're probably better suited there than you are to, as being a right mid. And then Patterson, you, you push on. Maybe maybe that's a shout. Maybe you have to look at that. Um, the other thing for me, he definitely needs to do, he, need, he needs to find a way just to make us more solid because at the moment, and, you know, I, I just think, I know Pete's mentioned this rightly a couple of times, we just look too easy to play through. You know, we know Garner's just not a natural six at all. You know, he's a great presser of the ball. He's one of the best in the league at tackling. You know, very, very rarely he goes to ground. He just reads the game brilliantly. But when he does go, he empties midfield, doesn't he, a lot of the time. And then suddenly we become massive gaps appear in midfield for teams to exploit. It's interesting. I watched Onana a little bit yesterday. He played six, didn't he, for Belgium and sat in that role. So quite a lot of us as fans are kind of sort of baffled a little bit as why is Dyche not even... If he plays there for his international team, he's played there from the team we signed him from. Why is he playing further forward? Uh, maybe there was an argument to say, OK, we needed a bit more height to support Mope, but we don't need that now. So... I, I just wish, I think Garner's more of a natural eight than he is a six. I, I just think we need to find a way. 
I think even you mentioned, Pete, even possibility of playing him in a double six, maybe just to make us more solid, especially away from home or against someone like Arsenal, for example. Um, they're just little conundrums I think he needs to do, you know, he needs to look at. Um, and I think he has to start experimenting with it to try and get it right rather than persisting with it, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's got it. As I said earlier on, it's his job. He's getting paid to to sort these issues out and find solutions. Now, by the way, I'm not saying it's been easy for him. It's not not been easy for, for Kevin Thelwell, but this is now unfortunately the hand that you've that you've been dealt, and, and you've got to try and work through. Um, and, and Arsenal's probably the the ideal game if you're going to look at playing a double six, which you're going to need. You're going to need that obviously that coverage, that that uh, extra little bit of. So they see in, in the midfield and defensively, then then that's the ideal time to do it. I mean, obviously he can take a lot from the game he played against them on for for Sean Dyche's first game in charge. Of course, he can. He would have, would have learned a lot from that game. Um, but I, I mean, I don't want to dwell on obviously the, the negatives of the of the transfer window. But I think I think one one real positive, and it's very very early days. Um, but I've fallen in love with him already. I expect Pete to be at the Arsenal game in a number 14 Beto shirt. And if he's not, I'd be very disappointed because he's Pete's kind of player. Convinced of it, convinced of it. But Beto Pete, obviously, we've seen him uh, for 45 minutes against Doncaster, scored a great goal, played the full 90 against Sheffield United as well. I thought he made a real impact for the first 60, I think. I think fatigue took over. But what, what's been your impressions of that sign? And, you know, we've been crying out for a centre forward, a striker in the mould of Dominic Calvert Lewin for. Last couple of years now, maybe even longer. Um, what's been your initial reaction to to the sign and obviously his impact? But probably the the simplest and best way I, I could sum it up so far is you, you know he's on the pitch. That that's the biggest compliment I could pay him, and I I think that that's why, regardless of his output in terms of goals and assists, it, he's got the potential to be loved by by Evertonians. I think it's important we don't get carried away. I think based on what we've seen seen of him so far, you you know he's on the pitch. You know you, you know he's in the team. He's a handful. He's a headache. Um, yeah, he he didn't uh, get on the score sheet against Sheffield United, but he gave them a torrid time. He was so productive, and you know I, I was really impressed with how much he enabled us to link the play. Um, you know, and how effective he was, particularly in the in the second half. Helping us get up the pitch. Um, so I, I think he's got real potential. Um, but you know, he he does the right things. He appears to understand the club. He you know he works hard. He's got lots of endeavour. The, the finish he scored against Doncaster was lovely. He was dead unlucky not to not to get the header. Seems to have potential for um, for being a handful in the air, which again, you know, Evertonians are always going to love. We all like a, a headed goal and um, a, a striker that's competitive at corners. So I think the future's bright for, for better. I think it's important we don't load him with too much pressure. But like we were saying earlier, that the fact that he's he's hopefully going to make up a um, you know a trio in terms of being competitive for, for Calvert-Lewin and uh, allowing Chimiti to develop, hopefully we'll get the best out of all three strikers. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really. Do you know what? I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does against Arsenal because I think we'll find out a lot about him. It will be, you know, his, his first home game, home debut, but against top top quality opposition. Um, so it'll be really interesting how uh, how he occupies the Arsenal centre halves and, you know, not not to get carried away. I know we'll talk about it in a minute, but it could potentially work in our favour. 
you know, having a really energetic, unpredictable striker. Arsenal haven't encountered him before. Um, hopefully things could go our way. I think that's a good shout, that Pete. I think there's been a lot of noise around Arsenal uh, for Gabriel not starting the first few games, but then he played the last game and played very well against United, uh, handled that um, Hoyland well when he came on. Um, Gabriel's the type of guy that loves the contact, doesn't he? He's a physical defender. He loves. It. He's a big lad, so he'll meet his match there with Beto. I think. I think I could. I could see that being a real intriguing battle. Them two, because one thing I've seen with Beto so far, as you've alluded to there, even in the small cameos he's had really with us so far, is amazing how quickly he seems to have adapted. Yeah, you know I mean, because that's not easy coming from the Portuguese league. Okay, look, we're not getting carried away like you said. It's one, you know, one and a half games for God's sake. But you can see already. Just, just pure physicality. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna real be a real handful. Uh, so that'll be an interesting battle. But also, what I like about him, you know, with with a striker, you normally get one or the other. Phil, you'll know this as a manager yourself, mate. You normally get one or the other, don't you? You know, if you're a big lad, they're gonna hold the ball up, like you said, try, try and link up the play. You know, win, win your headers. You know, win your battles. But then when he opens his legs, he's quick. Yeah, he is. He's quick as well. Yeah, and okay, look, it's only Doncaster we say that. It's only, but look, let's have it right. We, we were playing. That's probably one of the worst first halves of football I've ever seen Everton play. That first half, and obviously, fair play to Dice. He's not known for his subs, but he changed it. And you know, and, and he, he transformed the game on as well. Him and Garner really transformed the game on their own. Those two. But if you look at the goal, you know, the finish. The finish. For me, the, the run's probably better than the finish. Yeah, it's it's a great run and fair play to Decore, he spotted him, you know, and and it's it's a perfect pass. But he, the speed of the lad once he opens his legs for someone who's six foot four and probably what at least fifteen stone plus, you know what I mean? It's big lad, so fair play. I mean that 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 really surprised me that. And if you've got a striker that can do that, where they can run in behind and stretch and run the channels and be an absolute pain in the arse, and then at the same time, you know, okay, you're going to play it into my feet or you're going to play it in the air. I'm going to battle with you there as well. That's impressive for me. Do, do you know he, he reminds me, and he, he honestly reminds you of Mikel Antonio. Good, yeah, honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. good, honest Bill. And I think we were linked with him, whether that was true or not. And I just think he, he's unselfish in his runs, as, as Lee and Peter have alluded to. He's big and strong, which will allow these technical players, i.e., your McNeils, you know, your Dan Jumas, your Jack Harrisons, to, to get them in that space because those lads will have a shot as well. Um, it would have been great for a rugby to have played with him, to be fair, but. He does remind me of the mould of Michel Antonio. Now, people say, you know, I'm not expecting to get 15, 20 goals, but he'll wear his plums off, you know, in every single game he'll play. And you, you won't see him, you know, when the, the Gladys Street screaming for him to, to close down. He will run every blade of grass. And I think, again, in that mould of Michel Antonio, there won't, there won't be many defenders who want to play against him. I think he's quite unorthodox as well, like, like Lee said. He's got a bit of pace about him. He can go off the left, he can go off the right. You know, people double up and which will allow more space for the midfielders than the, the knockdowns. Yeah, and he's I, not I, your classic. Sorry, Mike, quickly. He's not your classic. When you think of Portuguese centre forwards or forward players in general, you think of like silky players, don't you? Yeah, yeah I mean, you think of players who've got a lovely first touch and, you know, you say almost say classic continental style players. He, he's not that, is he? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's almost like, he's, like Antonio's a very good shout, actually, in the fact that. You know, his goal scoring record suggests he's not mega prolific, but at the same time, he's a player that 
easy to love if you're a fan, isn't it? Because that's what fans want, ultimately. Look, if you've got loads of ability, then fair enough. You know, I mean, you could say Lukaku, for example. He, was he ever really, truly loved? I think by a lot of Evertonians, he was. But by a big chunk, he wasn't, was he? Because, he, he, you know, he, some people co- thought he was lazy. Do you know what I mean? And, and he didn't put a shift in. So it's interesting, you know, go on. Sorry, Lee, he's even come out and said, listen, I, I can't promise goals, but I, I'll give everything. And, and in the two, one and a half games you've seen of him, that's exactly that. What you see is what you get. And he, he, he just looks like an honest professional. He loves being, he's been obviously given this opportunity. And I think, you know, any, you know, with the old boys, days, the big teams, I think the crowd will really take to him, especially at Goodison. He's, he's certainly a player that, that we can we can feed off and, and he, he can feed off us. I mean, watching him, you know, great finish against Doncaster, great run, as we said, and he opened up, as I say, he's got a big, long stride and it was a lovely finish. Let, let, let's get it right. The, the header was terrific. He was he was probably in line with, if not above the crossbar. That's how, that's how, how high he got up. Um, but what, what impressed me against Sheffield United in particular, it, he's a bit of a triple threat, really, isn't he, in terms of he, he's good in the air. He's got he's got that bit of pace more than you think, and also he's, he's good with the ball at his feet. He, he completed the the most take ons of any player in the Premier League this season. In that game, it was six in total. It shows you what he's all about. You know, he's he's not averse to give me the ball at my feet and I'll go. I'll go at you. That 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 one in particular where he went at them, didn't he? Beat a couple on the edge of the box. As he got to the byline, he chopped back, didn't he? And sort of went to put the ball across, and I mean, I won a corner. He's got he's got it in his locker, and, and I think that. He's a little bit unorthodox. I think. I think at times he looks. He looks a little bit, maybe ungainly. That that's just the way I think that that he that he runs. But in terms of you know watching clips of Maroon and Easy, looking at what I've seen so far, that's an Everton striker for for me. That that's an Everton striker. You know, and and you can okay. We've had, we've had better strikers, and, and I know it's only early days, but Lukaku's probably was a better striker, the best I've seen in probably my time. Yukubi runs him close. I think Yukubi was terrific. Different kind of striker again. But this this lad, probably most importantly, will take the pressure off Dominic Calvert Lewin, which is which is so important. We said that I mean before we signed him and we were linked to Che Adams, obviously Mikhail Antonio was was mentioned as well. And Beto's been in the conversation for about six or seven months now. Um we looked at him and thought, you know what, he's, he's got the, the attributes to, to really be a, a like for like. But even even he differs from Dom in the sense that, you know, he's probably better in terms of running with the ball, to be honest. You know, Dom very much has played his best football when Ancelotti had him playing literally within six yards to ten yards out. That's where you need to be as a striker. He's a little bit different again. And if it takes the pressure off Calvert-Lewin, which it does, then it's a win-win and, you know, okay, it wasn't the cheapest of deals, but it was a great deal that we actually got done in terms of not paying anything at this moment in time. And like you say, his attitude is very much a case of I work my backside off every single time that I play. His fitness will obviously, when he gets up to speed with the Premier League, as I say, he got very tired, I thought, after an hour against Sheffield United. Big, big game against Arsenal coming up against a top-class opposition. We'll see what he's all about then. And on his on his home debut, but he's only going to get better and better and better. Um, and I'm really, like Pete said, I'm I'm really excited to see him in the flesh come come Sunday. Good That's a really good really good shout there. I, I, he he don't, I think all all of us can agree he looks like an Everton number nine, doesn't he? I mean I mean fair play and massive kudos to Thalwell. I don't know how on earth sitting around the table he's managed to convince them to say, tell you what we'll do, 
we won't give you anything for 12 months. Yeah. You know I mean? But then we'll pay you X or whatever. So, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, something's happened now. He's managed to do that because that's miraculous how he's managed to get away with that. But anyway, look, he looked, you know, Shea Adams, let's be fair. We all know Shea Adams, again, an honest pro and whatever, but let's be honest, he, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have excited us as a fan base. You know what I mean? At, at all. And um, this lad's come in now and, you know, good age as well. In today's football, you'd almost say it's, it's comparatively cheap. Okay, but look, again, look, we don't know. But strikers are a premium these days, regardless. You know what I mean? You know, we know how hard it is for clubs to sign centre-forwards. Plus, you've got the Premier League tax added onto it as well. The fact they come into the Premier League and we're awash with money and everything else. Well, everyone else is apart from us. But um, the point I'm saying is, is it'd be interesting for me... It would be very interesting at some point whether Dice plays him and Dom. Now, you, you said, Mike, there, it will take the pressure off. And it will, because Dom always knew that whenever he was fit, he was going to come straight in the team. I like the fact now that he's going to be going, I'm going to have to fight for my place here now. If he's going to carry on playing one up front, I would have walked in before because he had Neil Mope in there who couldn't hit a barn door. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, this fella now is genuinely competing me for my, for my place here. So that is a good thing because in Dom's head, as we know in any sport, competition is good. Competition for places is good because it raises standards. And, you know, I wonder if he'll be tempted at any stage. Whether he starts, you know, I can see it happening occasion when we need a goal, he might go, right, let's stick them both on, for example. I wonder if at any point he might start with the two of them and then we might end up with a, you know, a 4-4-2 or something like that. I mean, that would be interesting because can you imagine those two? Uh, I mean, geez, I mean, yeah, any set pieces, anything, yeah, any sort of decent delivery from out wide with them to attacking the ball. I mean, that that would be a proper throwback, wouldn't it? Two two big fellas who are class in the air. I mean, that'd be really. I don't know what you boys. I don't know what you boys think. Would do you think we'd ever he'd ever go with playing both of them up top at any point? I think we'd lose all our games about eight nine four. <laughs> <laughs> As long as there was four headers, though, Pete. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. That's the only problem, isn't it? It's, it's obviously when you put two up front, it, you, you take out whatever maybe defensive solidity or solidity we've got in the midfield out, obviously, because we take away, say, a Decore, for example, or an Onana. But I think, you know, if, if we're chasing the game, then you're going to see it, aren't you? You know, because we, we've seen at times where Mopey's been brought on to play alongside Calvert-Lewin. So we, we, we'll we see it, of course, and, and that'll be interesting, you know, to, to see the two of them, because they will cause problems. You know, they will both, they will, they will occupy the centre-halves, make no mistake about that, and that'll create more space. And, you know, the, the, the two of them are, are very, very physical. Um, Beto in particular, you know, he's, he's, he's an absolute user of a man. He's, I mean, how his shirt is baggy on him, I've got no idea. It must be about a triple XL shirt because he's absolutely massive. So he must like to have a baggy shirt, because I can't understand that myself. But he, he's gonna cause he's gonna cause problems as and hopefully, like we said, you know, if we ever see the two up top, the two of them are gonna be you know something in the mold of sheer and Sutton. That's what it's gonna be like, like a throwback at them two. And if we get anything like like their return, we'll, we'll be doing okay. But it's um I think it's you know he he brought a bit of excitement didn't he for us in terms of a signing because we we've been crying out for that kind of signing for for such a long time. Can I also mention as well I, I I've been steadily more and more impressed with Dan Juma as he's got a bit fitter as well. He looks fitter now. He looks sharper. Again, look, it's early doors, so you you can't you can't say too much. But 
the link-up play between the two of them already looks like you know there could be a partnership there. I know Dan Juma likes to play off the left. You can see already he prefer you know that's definitely his position, can't you? Almost a bit like Richarlison in that respect. You know he likes to come up coming off that side. We all know Richie's having his woes at the Spurs. Uh, Everton fans are doing their best on social media to try and get him to come home. Paul Ad was uh, was upset the other, the other night against uh, Bolivia, won he for Brazil, but. Um, but yeah, you know, Dan Juma, massive kudos to him so far. As he's got fitter, he looks like he's got goals in him, doesn't he? I mean, um, you know, again, he's not going to score you 20, but looking at him so far, if he stays fit and he gets a regular run in this team, I can see Dan Juma getting, personally, 10 to 15 goals in this side. Well, you spoke, I said, maybe before you came on, Lee, mind you very much of, we haven't had a winger since... Since him, since Morellas, you know, like, yeah. again, going through one-on-one with Fulham, right, at the post, maybe he should have done better. He was playing up front then, but, and then the Doncaster, and then obviously Chef U. I think he has to start, me personally, and it's tough because I think how well McNeil did last year. Um, where would he play? And that, 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 it's interesting because I think, do believe Dan Juma, I think he'll be a huge, and again, it's only a couple of games, but I think he'll be a huge threat now. He's getting fitter, and like you said, the link-up. He has had with, with certain players. He, he looks good, I think. I think he's got a bit of everything, Dan Juma. Yeah, I think I think what he's what he's shown, and well, I think we said it at the time. You know, we needed a little bit of time to to get up to speed. I mean, Sean Dice mentioned quite a few on quite a few occasions that he wasn't quite at the races just yet in terms of fitness. Got a bit of a knock, didn't he? And and things like that worked his way back, but. He, he certainly, from a fitness perspective, he certainly uh, looked looked a lot more at the races. And someone said to me at our time against Sheffield United, I was I was in a in a bar in um, over in Grand Canary. And by the way, it was no easy watching Everton in the sun in in a bar than it was sitting watching them in in the ground. To be honest with you, but someone mentioned Dan Junior. I was like, maybe you know take him off. I said, and I said he's got a goal. In him. I said you know he's got a goal. And he scored. Obviously, he got his goal against Doncaster. And I know we can be a bit, bit frustrating, but he always wants to be involved. He seems like quite a, a selfish player in terms of if it's an option between having a shot or, or passing the ball, he'll have a shot. So that can be a good and a bad thing. But since he's got a goal in him, since you know he's got that instinct and, you know, quite quickly after the, the restart, he gets his goal. But he's going to be a really important player. And that's the thing. At the moment, you know, with, with McNeil just coming back from injury, the chances are you keep you out there because you know he'll cut back on his right foot He'll shoot from say, you know, eighteen yards, twenty yards out. He'll he'll cut back inside and, and and bring other players in. Um, he's got that bit of pace, so he's certainly a player that I don't think we can we can really afford to just drop at this moment in time, or even put him to the right hand side. Keep him with what he knows best and where he's most effective. You know, I've said it already. I saw him at Stoke um, in pre-season playing playing centrally, and I thought he struggled because he wanted to go left all the time and stay on the left hand side. So. Playing where, where he, he should be getting played and where he's most effective and where he's going to be more of a goal threat and that's on the left hand side. Um, if, you, but, if you look, if you look at that goal against Sheffield United, you look at it uh, closely. Obviously, it's a good, you know, it's good link up play by Better. The ball falls to him, he lays it out to Patterson. Like I said, you know, the cross makes the goal for me. Obviously, it's, it's a hell of a cross. But if you look at it very carefully, both Onana and Dan Juma, I, th- I think I said this to you, Mike, didn't I? Are drifting into the box. And making effectively the same run, if you like, you know, the back post run. But if you look at the difference between the two, if you look at, the, if you look at um, Onana, I think uh, before it goes out to Patterson, is ahead of Dan Juma. 
in terms of being further forward. And if if you look at um, Dan Duke, he busts the gut to get into that position. Now, obviously, he nearly went offside. He just stayed onside. But the difference is, like, Onana just sort of ambled into that area. Now, I can guarantee you, this time last season, if that ball would have been whipped in by Patterson, Onana would have been five yards behind the play. And it would have just run out for a throw-in on the other side. Do you know what I mean? The difference is, you watch him, he sees that he sees a play opening up in front of him, and as soon as it's laid out to Patterson, he's on his bike, he's gone, he, and he's yeah. sprinting into that space, going like as if like what saying to Patterson, "Pick me out, I'm here." Do you know what I mean? Which makes the cross a bit easier because you can obviously see him, but it's a hell of a cross, like I said, and and I can you know I can guarantee it right now. This time last year, we'd have been ruined that as being another ball in and no one being in the box. Do you know what I mean? But he was in there, and you know the finish was basically as easy as you like. Then once he'd made the run, and the quality was so good on the delivery. Yeah, he's got that instinct, doesn't he? Which is what we need from our wide players because the, the concentration for, for goals has always been. That's why we've had so much pressure on Cavalier. Is for him to be back and him to be scoring goals. We've got to have more goals from our attacking players, the left and right, and also the core. He needs to chip in with more goals than he got last season as well. So we we, we do need that. Um, so that 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 he's been a real positive. Obviously, the Beto Sam is a real positive. But ju- just to wrap up the, the transfer side of things and the squad squad assessment, the demand great situation in terms of when the transfer window closed, Sean Dice said, you know, he's going to be back with the squad. We're getting back, o- back up to speed. Um, and all eyes were then on look- looking ahead to Arsenal and potentially having the Gray back in into the uh, into the squad. And obviously, the Gray responds basically saying, the mind just showed me no respect at all. Conflicting stories. I, th- I think the general consensus is the Gray basically said he was sorting his own transfer out. Um, he asked to work away from the rest of the squad. Uh, I don't think Sean Dice was too pleased by that. Um, and and we found ourselves in, in a situation where you've got a player who quite clearly then wants out. We've got a manager who then probably loses respect for the player because, you know, he said he's trying to sort out his own transfer. And as Sean Dice said in his response as well, you know, no one goes anywhere from this club unless we say so. Um, but we found ourselves then, you know, selling him after our transfer window were closed. Obviously, he signed, he, he signed for um, Stephen Gerrard's club over in, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Pete, are you disappointed with, with, the, with the way that, one, it played out? Obviously, it was so public and, and you never like to see that, that kind of negativity around, around your club anyway. But two, the fact that we obviously, we, we've lost a player who you mentioned earlier on. You know, he, he can bring something to the table, especially in, in such a, a goal-shy side. Yeah, it's I, I, absolutely. It's disappoint, disappointing on several fronts, isn't it? Firstly, the, the last thing we need at the moment is anything that destabilises the squad or causes fallouts, um, you know, or takes attention away from, from football. I, I know we hate getting drawn into this stuff on, on the podcast, but, you know, screenshots start flying around that, uh, you know, certain players have unfollowed Damari Gray on social media and all of this, but, but all of this kind of noise and speculation just adds pressure onto the um, onto the squad and onto the team, and it's it's just so unnecessary. I, I know it's it's part of the modern time now that you know it, every single thing is under massive scrutiny, um, but it feels unhelpful, you, you know, particularly given the the situation we're in at the moment. We need. You know, we need unity amongst the, the the team, especially when there's been so much that's been documented at other levels of the club. Um, 
And then, yeah, going back to what I was saying earlier, I, I, I do. I, I think it could be a big loss for us, this um, Damari Gray. He can be such a productive attacking player for us. And, you know, we've spoken so much today and in the previous podcast about balance and players being square pegs in in, um, in round holes. And I, I just worried that we could end up suffering, um, losing both him and, and Alex Awobi. Uh, he, scored, he scored such important goals for us and, you know, regardless of what you think about his his defensive output, or what Sean Sean Dice thinks about his defensive output, or how much of a team player he is, he's one of the few players we had who who had the quality to to get a goal out of nothing. You know, he's he's done it several times for us. He scored so many important goals. You know, I know that the Manchester City goal, the Arsenal goal, I, I mentioned from previous seasons earlier on. Um, I kind of some of his top strikes if you like but he's he's done it several times for us and I, I don't know if we've got anyone else like that in the team um so i yeah i i do think it weakens us and i, I do think it's it's slightly sour the way he's gone we, we've got to move on now but i i just hope we don't find ourselves talking about this in january and beyond january that you know this has been something that's um that's cost us i don't i don't think from the outside looking in, we don't know the full story, but we can sort of put the pieces together. I just don't think we've handled it at all well. I mean, the club obviously it, obviously thought in the head, look, we're going to get a right-sided player regardless. The fact they gave Jack Harrison his number as well is a bit disrespectful as well. Now, look, OK, look, Damari's, if he said what he said and Dice has come out and said that, Dice's remit now is, is, is definitely, isn't it? I'm going to be honest with the fans. I'm going to tell them exactly how it is. Should he be the one having to come out and say all that? Probably not. Would I like to see these things handled behind closed doors? Probably yes. You know what I mean? Because although you admire his honesty, it's kind of like, yeah, well, clearly, you know, there's been a, there's been a confrontation between the two of them. Um, and, you know, whether Dice has almost said, look, I don't see you in my plans. It, look, Dice has shown that without telling him, didn't he, at the end of last season. You know, he wasn't getting the game. From being one of our most important players in a lot of games, there's quite a lot of times, let's be fair, with Damari, where we were asking him to play up front at times last season and he was having to do a job for us. And you know what? He did He did as best as he could. And, and, and at times, let's be honest, as fans, we were calling out for him to play up front, the Mope, he was a striker, because he's so quick. And that goal against City will stick in my head and the one against Arsenal will as well. I mean, both, like Pete said, absolute worldies. And he had that in his locker. He's such a strange player because loads of ability, great feet, you know, quick as well. You know what I mean? Especially against, you know, you saw him in some of the cup games. He'd, he'd take the mick out of some teams because he was that, that much quicker. And, and, you know, as I said, his feet were that quick as well. So, yeah, um, sad to see him going in circumstances because obviously he would have given us that cover on the right-hand side as well. And Dice even alluded to, didn't he? Um, oh, yeah, we've got Damari, uh, you know, Demi's coming back after the Sheffield United game. And then obviously then we, we know what happened next. So, and I just want to give a shout out to, to Awobi as well, because I know some fans have basically set up yours, CLA, you, you know, your output's been garbage, but, you know, overall, I'd, I'd say, and, and credit where it's due, he, he's given his all for us since he's been with us. You know what I mean? And he, he's had some in different times with us as well. You know, I'd say we probably played our best football under the first the first half of the season against Carlo, 
Um, and you know, he probably would have enjoyed that more than more than any other time. Let's be honest, the last two years, if you're a footballer for Everton, has not been enjoyable, really. Yeah, you know I mean, it's been stressful. And I think you know what? He's not signed a new contract. He's gone back to London, where he's from. I don't think you you can begrudge him that. In all fairness, and we've got a good fee for him as well. Last year of his contract, twenty two million purported to be twenty two million. I mean that tells you if he's going with a five year contract behind him, he's more like forty plus then, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? So good deal that we've got there. We probably couldn't say no to that for that sort of money for a player that would have gone on the free and could have signed a contract in January, couldn't he? He could have signed a pre contract in January. But you know what? You know, hats off to him and credit where it's due. You know, the stats tell it all as well in terms of his progressive passes, his chances created, his work rate was phenomenal. Yes, he probably could have chipped in with more, more, more actual assists and goals. We all know that. Uh, but let's be honest, it's been a poor team, especially the last two years. It struggled to score goals. And um, you know, as I said, I, I take my heart off to him, wish him all, wish him all the best. And you know, I will always remember that Newcastle goal because. That was a huge, huge moment in us staying in the Premier League last, uh, the season before that. Yeah, Alex, we said here on the show, you know, he, he massively divides opinion. And, but I've always said, if you have better players around him, he'd probably come out with uh, with double figures in assists for, for most seasons that he was here, to be honest with you. I think sometimes he was he was probably two steps ahead of other players around him, you know. Um, but understand, I do understand why people saw him as a frustrating player and felt that, he didn't contribute enough. If you, know, if you look at the eye test, so to speak, and don't look at the figures behind, you know, the, the, the performances, then it's easy to, to make that judgment. But sometimes some players are just ideal to be the whipping boy, aren't they? You know, and and we know how many of those have, have come come and gone over the course of the the, the last the last few years. And and he was one. But me personally, yeah, that, I mean, it, it's a great price last year because it's a fantastic deal. Everton have had to do it. Um, I think it made sense to do it, uh, but I think I think we will miss him. It's most most definitely he will be missed, um, as we've you know discussed already. But Phil, just your thoughts on the Marie Gray very very quickly before we, we look ahead to the Arsenal game. When you when you see this kind of soap opera played out in, in in public, it's it's never never a good thing. But but do you think that there was literally no return for him? And there was no way back. And once once we see the Instagram post and once we see and hear that the Sean Dice response, there was never any kind of chance of any kind of uh, reconciliation. Yeah, we're in a little uh, football group on the WhatsApp and and when the English, um, you know, the transfer window shut, I said, don't be surprised if Demari Gray goes. And, and he said, don't be stupid. Obviously, we've, we've sold X, Y and Z. And I said, well... At the start of the day, I said, um, what business that was for Awobi. You know, last year was contract, um, the fee we got, um, da, da, da. and then obviously it ended up quite sour that we didn't bring anyone in. So they were quite like, no, great, great, can't go. But I said, what's this space, money, talk kind of thing. Um, alluding to what you said there about both of them, I, I just think, and you could say this about a lot of the, the players we have, I think they're the right players we're in the wrong era for Everton. Um, let's 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 say it right. You know, Wobi was was never wanted by Everton. It was always um, Wilfred Sahar. That was the soundbite all summer. That 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 summer, we ended up getting uh, a Wobi. Um, I personally think we've never played in the right position. Um, I don't think he's ever or hardly ever in his Everton career been injured. He's played every minute, and, and I remember always saying a couple of years ago, if Calvert Lewin and Richards 
Richarlison don't score. Who does score? Obviously, we saw Richarlison and Cavalier, and we know the story there. So it's put a lot of pressure on the likes of Damari Gray and Awobi to to chip in with goals, assists, because obviously, you know, we've had Tom Davis's, Gomez's, Garner Gaze. These type of players don't chip in with any goals, and, and centre halves and defenders, apart from Yerry Mina, was the only one who was. Obviously, Baines and Coleman coming to an age, they were chipping in with a lot of goals back in the day. So it did put a lot of pressure on Gray and Awobi. Um, and I do believe they were in the, the wrong period, the wrong time of Everton. Um, as you say, uh, Mike, I, I, I did. I, I always thought he would go because I thought how, how it was ended, and, and like Lee alluded, it was done really unprofessionally. It was almost like I want the last say. Gray tried to. I think Gray actually had the last say, hasn't he? Saying on his Instagram post, saying a match fit. Um, after Dice come out uh, to all the Evertonians to say, you know, why he sold them. Um, but I, I again, I know Pete's a big fan of uh, Demario. I've always been on the fence with him. I think with the price tag, what he did for Everton was fantastic. I always thought you just want to shake him because there's just more in him. You know, the goals, as Lee said, you know, Arsenal, Manchester City, we didn't see it often enough, and he should have with his ability, the, the raw pace, you know, uh, very direct, the skill he had. Um, but I do believe. Um, with them both going, and obviously the, the whole podcast today was were left short, but um, unprofessional by the club. But I always thought he would move just because I just think money talks. And, and like you said, Mike, I don't think there'll be a lot of movements in the January. I, I, I think, I think personally, I mean, the club clearly, once those two were going, clearly went in for Nonto, didn't they? Back in for him. By all accounts, Leeds have come out and said, was it up to 25 was the maximum bid that Everton offered? Which I think, to be fair, you know, depending on obviously how it's structured, is a really good offer for him. You know, I mean, 25 minutes is a lot. I know he's only 19, but he's still very much unproven on so. So I'm surprised Leeds didn't take that, if I'm honest. I know they've made a few quid from other signings as well. I mean, Nonto will learn and his agent will learn that, you know, if next time he signs a contract, there'll be a release clause in it. You know what I mean? Because if he'd have done that, we'd have probably got it done. I know Adams did, didn't he? And Adams got his move away from Leeds because of the release clause. So, um, but yeah, so going back to your point there, for his for his price tag, mate, yeah, 100%. Gray has been, you know, considering what we, what, what we 1.5, was it? 1.5 million, something like that? 1.7, 1.7, which is, which is, you know, ridiculous. But I do agree with you. He flatters to the deceive a lot. You know, for for his ability again, almost similar to Awobi, should probably be posting much stronger numbers and having bigger impacts on games. Um, for the, for for the ability that they both have. Um, but um, like I said before, look, we've got the cash in. I can't see. I don't know what you've said before, Mike. I wasn't on it initially. I can't see us not trying to address that right hand side in January. I'd be very surprised now if Felwell isn't even trying to make. Yeah, obviously he'll already have a list anyway. But whether those sort of Sort of lines are being opened already to try and bring someone in in January because surely to God, um, I know a lot of the money has gone on, and we've I think did I read recently in Paddy's article we've made a profit the last three windows, yeah, which is trying to survive in this Premier League when you're making a profit, a net profit on player sales and and, and player incomings is unbelievable. I mean, it, it's just unheard of. I mean, it's, it's like League One spending and trying to stay in the Premier League, you know what I mean? Let's be honest, it is, isn't it? You know, no, the, and, um, even Bor- even Bournemouth spent 107 million. The, the the Nonto business stinks 
for, for me absolutely stinks because you know Leeds repeatedly came out and said play is not for sale so number one why did we apparently persist with it and number two if we've got 25 million to throw at Nanto why haven't we brought someone in I'm not saying why haven't we spent 20 25 million but why haven't we brought anybody in you know like you were saying Lee, presumably there'd be a shortlist fair enough Nanto might be top mm. of that but why have we not followed, you know, followed a recruitment strategy? And, you know, I don't want to buy into paranoia or fan conspiracy, but you can't blame fans for, um, you know, questioning whether some some of these stories or rumours are even legitimate because it just doesn't make sense to me. I think I think from what I heard, Pete, is that, I mean, Suleimana, there was a lot of noise around him. From what I heard, I'd heard that was genuine. And, and... With Suleimana in particular, I think that I think they were one in thirty. I think that was his buyout clause at Samson's thirty million. I think ultimately the club felt, for whatever reason, they didn't think that was he was worth that. I mean, he'd come to Southampton with a, with a you know a real pedigree, and let's be honest, he didn't really do anything with them. So be fair, uh, fair enough, but but somebody's worth worth it, aren't they? I'm not again. I'm oh, not yeah, saying yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, 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 20, yeah, yeah. Twenty-five million, but yeah. if if we're if if we're you know we're mixing in those circles for those kind of figures for. Um, you know, wingers with potential. Why have we not brought somebody in? You know, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. But you've also got Sinistera as well, isn't he? You know, another guy who's also, at, ironically, at Leeds, and that sort of mould of someone being, you know, because let's be honest, what we want is is not just a right winger. We want, for me, a, a goal scoring right winger with pace. He's also got a good delivery. Now, and I know that's not asking for much, but you know what I mean. But I mean. Yeah, nowadays, let's be honest, a lot of the top sides, a lot of the goals don't, don't necessarily come through the middle, do they? A lot of them do come from, you know, a lot of teams you know, having almost like wide forwards, they call them nowadays, don't they? Do you know what I mean? So, um, let's see. I, I just can't see as not... We're literally an injury or two away from a crisis in certain positions now, aren't we? And that's what's worrying. And, and our injury record over the last few years has not exactly been golden. So, um, I, you know, the... It, the Wolves will be at the door if we if we lose a couple of key players. Now it looks like we're all right at centre centre forward. Finally, we look like a team now that's got a few goals and is providing those guys stay fit. But you know we're now suddenly very short in a few other areas, and suddenly now even at fullback we look weak again. Yeah, you know, I think I, I said a stat the other day. Didn't Luca Dean have? He's had five assists already this season. I think that's more than Patterson and Mikalenko combined since we did the sign. Since he went, they went to Villa and we signed both of them. Madness. Just going to the topic, what you, kind of similar to what you're saying with, with, about crisis. Do you think that's took a lot of pressure off Sean Dice then? Just for argument's sake, say we do lose to Arsenal, you know, Brentford away is not an easy game, and you're playing Luton. Just say we managed to get one point out of those three games. Do you think the fans will still be happy with that, or you know, will they stick with what's gone on? And, and obviously, I think. People mentioning protests about the, the, the transfers, but do you believe then the club will stick with Dice? As in, like, I know we're going totally off topic, but I'll just talk about the transfer situation with no, not many bodies coming in, all right, on the last day. But and there's so much injuries and things, and like, we don't know how Harrison will come back in. You know, obviously, Coleman's getting older, he's another one we're relying on, but arguably been one of our best defenders the last 18 to two years. It's just a worrying time of, of we've played well. It's not just about playing well. You obviously need those points, and the, you know, in history gone by, we've had great results against Arsenal. Doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Brentford away, tough place to go, and obviously Luton. 
it's a bit of a wild card and I wonder who's really with them although you know batting themselves into the Premier League it just worries me then what could happen that's a really good shout Phil I think let's be honest we're massive underdogs against Arsenal regardless of record or not because Arsenal have been very very good uh, the last two seasons um, last season in particular Brentford have started the league one of the best so far this season I think I think they're top behind. Oh, sorry, the second behind City for XG. I think so far that you know. So that's without Ivan Tony as well. You know they've been playing obviously Wissa and Umbuemo up front, and Umbuemo's been brilliant this season so far. Um, you know everyone thought they were going to struggle without Tony, but they're clearly showing they're not. And Brentford for me are always a hot and cold team. You know they 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 can go through real hot streaks and then they can really fade away. You know we played them. You know, I think I remember playing was it last year or the year before, and they were they were on a massive losing run, weren't they? Where they could barely win a game, and at the moment now, you know, they they look ridiculously good. Uh, it's probably the worst time to play them. Um, so conceivably, really, you raise a good point there. We could conceivably be on still on one point after six games, and then suddenly all the pressure starts going on the manager again, and then we we end up in that cycling over and over again. I I just don't. If we've made the call on Dice now, I just don't want us to be in December, January again, looking to find another manager. It's just, it's just, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, I think, I think obviously, without sort of going too deep into that, I think that you know, from a financial perspective, it's another payoff, isn't it? So probably the club, the club probably can't even afford another managerial payoff. To be honest, so I think that that will come into things. I think that if you still on one point after six games. I don't think that'll be the end of the world. I think the Luton game certainly comes into play. Luton and Bournemouth are home, back-to-back. You've got to be looking to get at least four points there. So I think they will potentially, you know, questions will then be asked. But I think it's I think it's a little premature at the moment. But most definitely those those games, Luton and Bournemouth, are the, are the key for me. Because rightly so, you can play well all you want. But if you're not, not getting points, it means absolutely nothing at all. And that, that's the big concern, isn't it? But... We're going to round off with a little bit of a chat if we can on the Arsenal game. And Pete, I'll come to you, I'll come to you first. Arsenal, obviously, unbeaten so far this season. Great win against United late on, three goals to one in the last Premier League game. They bought Declan Rice. They they look look probably stronger than last season. Do you go into that game with, with, with much hope at all that we can pick anything off? Like Phil was just saying, it, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you you look at the start we've had to the season and the position we're in, you think, look, this is like an absolute nightmare fixture. Um, because it tends to be one or the other with Arsenal. Either they absolutely batter us um, or, or we beat them. Um, so I wouldn't put it past Everton to to win this 1-0. You know, Bear Peter Goodison, Beto's home debut. Trying not to get carried away, but I I do think potentially it's it's lined up for it to be a a season defining game, and you know hopefully we stop the rot against Sheffield United, and we can use that as a bit of a foundation to to go into the Arsenal game and be even more organised, competitive, more you know more more togetherness and more more identity and balance. But I you know I do think it could go the other way as well. I think for us to get anything out of this game. We need to try and recreate the the Everton we were in Sean Dyche's first game. I know, I know, I I in particular keep going back to that that game, but it was such a brilliant performance, and it was, it was like a blueprint of what Everton should be for me. It it the, just the performance had everything. I know it was only a one nil win, but I think you know what it represented and how well we played. 
it, it just had everything for me. So I'd, I'd like to see something like that again, something closer to that in terms of how we set out and how we play as a team and how we incorporate Beto. I, I do think potentially it's all laid out for us, but it's whether we're in a position to be able to take it. I think I'm just talking about Beto. Just there's a clip going around of his performance against Sheffield United. It reminds me of the uh, of a prime Brazilian Ronaldo, without going uh, too too over the top there. Uh, so we can't, like you say, his debut at Goodison Park, home debut. It's going to be something to behold. And I, and I, and I say this obviously a little bit tongue in cheek, but it will raise the atmosphere straight away. The fact that we've seen what he's all about in in such a short space of time. We know exactly what his attitude is to, towards obviously playing for this football club, uh, what he brings to this side already. The fact that, you know, we could be going to the game with, with him starting and Calvert-Lewin on, on the bench. He's, he's back in training by all accounts, Calvert-Lewin, which is great to see. Um, you know, you've got you've got Dom, you've got the likes of Chimiti, who's, who's learning all the time. Dwight McNeil's going to be back as well. Um, so it's, it's going to be, I think... From an atmosphere perspective, I think it's going to be going to be raised automatically just having a, a new striker, someone we've seen for the first time, someone who's made a really, a really good impression. And, you know, we saw it in, in Sean Dice's first game. Sometimes you just need someone to, to sort of light the touch paper. And that was that was obviously Sean Dice in his first game, the fact that we changed manager. It was a, a clean slate. We had, you know, at the time, top of the table came to Goodison Park. We were, you know, we weren't given a hope in hell. And nothing's changed. You know, we've got Arsenal coming into town again. They started the season really strongly. As I say, they're unbeaten in the Premier League so far. It's going to be a really, really tough game. Of course it is. You know, of, co- of course it's going to be a tough game. It was a tough game against them in February. It'll be exactly the same again. But there's no reason why we, we can't go into that game, be competitive, do, do the basics right. You know, be be a real threat from set pieces, which is what we did in that in that game against them uh, in February as well. And we've got to go in there with I think with with a bit of hope. It's still early on in the season. We're only four games in. Got our first points against Sheffield United. Got our first win against Doncaster. Little, little steps. You know, we've had a bit more time now. Sean Dice has got two has had two weeks, or we'll have two weeks before the game to have worked with a lot of these players. A lot of the first team players are still floating around things farm. Beto's there, which is doing the world of good. Um, obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin back back training. Dwight McNeil's there. Godfrey, Decore, Dan Juma. A lot of players who, who are going to play a big part in that game against Arsenal are still a Finch farm. So th- these these two weeks he's had to work with those players, I think, is is really really important. But I go in there with with quite a bit of hope that we are going to see uh, a good Everton performance. And the fact I'm quite happy in a way, Phil, the fact that it is Arsenal and it's not. International break, we've got one point. We come back against, say, with all with all due respect, a Luton, for example, um, where you, you, again, you, you're expected to win. I would rather come back off international break against a side who have been flying high. Their momentum has been interrupted. Our lack of momentum has been interrupted. And that can that can always play into your hands, can it? No, spot on, Mike. And, and, and funny enough, as, as, as stupid as this sounds, I'm actually made up Arsenal beat Man United because obviously they drew with Fulham the game before. And obviously, if they drew with Man United again, it's almost like, you know, they've had a frustrating start and um and obviously their expectations of maintaining the title charge again. So obviously with them winning, it almost I'm quite pleased with that because it that kind of relaxes it as well. Um and like because with the international break being interrupted in their progress. But I, listen, Arteta played, obviously, for us, and he'll know 
um, how, how important Goodison Park is to have it in, in, in gaining points. And, you know, you'll try and quieten us down as much as we can. He'll know the hype of obviously better and the lack of points we've had and what the crowd can do at Goodison. So he'll be fully aware of that. But he's obviously struggled since he's gone back as a player and as a manager at Goodison Park. But no, I, I, I'm confident, uh, Mike, to be fair. I think you can always get at Arsenal. Obviously, they seem to be a bit more leaky this year. Um, regarding goals and things, and I, I do, I do believe you, you can always get at Arsenal. I'm glad it's not like a one of the other bo- big boys, but no, I, I, I always back ourselves. Um, any home game, really. Obviously, my heart rules my head, but um, no, I, I'm, I'm excited for the game, and, and obviously, um, I think everyone will be well up from the from the from the seats to the players. Yeah, and. and- We've got to. We've got to obviously. The players have got to feed off off the fans, but the players have got to give the the fans something to feed off as well. It, you know, it goes hand in hand. But when when these kind of sides roll into town, you know, we don't need any kind of excuse to to, to, to really back the players. And and as I say, for the for the reasons mentioned, that I, I do go to Goodison Park next Sunday with a bit of hope, thinking that we can get something from this game. And I th- and I think you know, even a point point from the game would be a real positive. You know, the fact that you're going toe to toe against probably the second best side in the country. Uh, only really City you can you can better them in my opinion and you know aside who have had the same mind yet for a number of years they've stuck with them they, they've certainly grown they're now a real threat in terms of winning trophies um, and, and threatening the, the stranglehold that Man City have got on, on the Premier League so I, I think it's I think it's going to be a really a really decent decent watching and I always use a use a word, word throwback and and it will be a throwback performance we've seen it already under Sean Dice against Arsenal throw Beto into the mix as well with you know give, give Beto an hour sixty five and get Dom on fresh twenty five minutes you know this is this is what it's all about and this is why as much as there was a lot of negatives from the end of the transfer window there are some positives to take and we like Lee said earlier on. We have got now what seems to be a bit of a goal scoring threat in Beto and Dan Juma, obviously Dom, Dom being fit, Dwight McNeil coming back. That that that's a lot better than than what we've seen in, in recent years, in my opinion. But Lee, what's your thoughts going into the game? It, it, like I said, you know, we Arsenal, they are flying high. Phil said though, a little bit leaky at the back. They have conceded a few goals. They drew a home to Fulham. Um, you know, they they, they conceded didn't be Forest 2 1 in the first game. Um, they're not sitting off fire on all cylinders, but obviously they're still very effective, aren't they, given the fact they've got 10 points out as well? Well, I just told you, Evan, your last comment says everything you need to know. You know, that they've not been probably at their best, but they're still pretty much nearly 100% record. So, um, thought they were very fortunate against United. It was a bit of a nothing game. Um, one of those VAR decisions, uh, which was just, you know, absolutely minuscule. Um, it was one of those VAR decisions where, weirdly, if it had been at Old Trafford, they probably would have got it. Do you know what I mean? But the fact that it was at, at Arsenal. And then they then proceeded to obviously, you know, get picked off um, straight after that. They, they would have probably lost that game if that goal gets given. But, um, but no, I think, look, this could be a really timely game for us. You know, the game, the first game after an international break is normally... Not always, but normally the best time, isn't it, to play some of these bigger sides? Because a lot of their players will have gone away on international duty. Um, the last thing they want to do is come back to an away game at Goodison. Mikel, obviously, is a notorious planner, would have probably wanted to have a full week to work with him before coming. He won't have that. So um, that's good news for us. 
And like Phil just alluded to, our record against them, particularly at Goodison, is pretty good. Obviously, away from home is garbage. They've, 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 they've hammered us a few times, but we just we just have to be solid. We just have to be solid again in this game. Solid is the key. I think there's goals in this team now. You know, looking at the likes of Dan Juma, as I said before, Beto looking like you know he's definitely going to add something to us after a complete. He's going to add a completely different dimension to us. We've got those players coming back. You know, McNeil will be back in, pushing for a starting place. Good news for us. You know, Harrison, I think, will be in and around the squad. Will he, will he make the bench? Probably unlikely, maybe, but there's a chance. Suddenly, the team just looks a little bit like, you know, Harrison's goals and assist record, by the way, it's very good. Do you know what I mean? So, that'll add, that'll add to us as well, wherever he comes in. Um, so, it could, it could work out. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. They could quite easily come and, and, and players off the pitch like Arsenal's of the past. You know, I'm not saying this Arsenal team is, is up there with Wenger's, you know, Henri Bergkamp, Perez team, but but you know, they also have that quality, don't they? In the likes of Saka, who gets better every single year, phenomenal player. Odegaard, what a snip he was. I think they got him for was it 30 million or something like that? I mean, that's looking ridiculous right now. What a player, good age. He's now the captain. You know, they they've signed Declan Rice. Obviously, got the winner effectively uh, in inverted commas against United. You know he will he will be used to coming to grounds like Goodison, and the Arsenal have always been accused of being a bit soft, haven't they? When it gets tough, he, he won't he won't be soft. Yeah, you know I mean he, he'll still be covering every blade of grass, trying to uh, you know basically you know stick up for his team if you like, or, or be more solid, which they haven't been in the past. But it'll just. It could hinge on a moment in this game, couldn't it? It really could. And I, I just hope that you know we have that little bit more quality um, with, with, the, with the forward players we've brought in. That, that's it. I mean, you know, there are a couple of players you mentioned, obviously Harrison there. I can't see him making the Arsenal game, but but who knows? Um, but the other players we mentioned should be, obviously should be there. Lewis Dobbin, obviously, and Michael Keane missed the last game. They, they should be back in and around the squad as well. Um, Arsenal, a couple, couple of concerns themselves. You know, Thomas Partey's out until probably the end of October. Gabriel, he's, he's a bit of a doubt. Um, the new signing is it is it the right back Timber? He's definitely out. So there's, they've got a few issues themselves. So let's you know, make no make no mistake. It, it might not be a full strength Arsenal side that we're going to be facing. Um, Saka was hobbling around the pitch uh, during the England game after Michalenko gave him a couple of little little knocks yesterday. Now whether you know you assume he'd be okay, finish the game, but. Um, you just don't know how the international week's going to play out in terms of injuries for both sides, I suppose. But I, I you know, I, I am looking forward to, to the game. As I say, I think it's it's good to face these kinds of sides after a break and when momentum has been broken. That's probably the the, the, the real the real key thing. Um, so it should be should be a real interesting one. Obviously, the game's just being shifted as well. Should have been Saturday, shouldn't it? Um, it was due to be was it, was a late game on the Saturday, and they moved it to the, to half four. On the Sunday, because of Newcastle of all, of all teams, um, so obviously it's now the half four on the Sunday at uh, at Goodison Park. But we're, we're going to round off obviously with with our predictions. Phil, thoughts on the game? What are you saying? Oof, again, like you both said, no full week for Mikel to repair. Obviously, momentum broken, um, as you said, Mike. I am going to go for 2-2. Two, two. I'd, I'd certainly say 2-2, two, two, um, that's for sure. Lee, what are you saying? Um, 
I'm going to say he's going to kick stars. I'm going to say 1-0 again. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to see us sitting off. I think he'll go with a double six, like Pete said before. And I think I can see his... I, I, I don't know. I just It'd just be typical of us, isn't it? You know, I mean, which, two games we should have won against Wolves and against Fulham. Fulham without Paulinho are a very different team, by the way. Paulinho is a hell of a player. Uh, he was one of the main reasons they got a result against Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I I just think I just think yeah I can just see it. I can just be typical of us just just do something and get a result. And I think we need it, don't we? We certainly need it. I'd definitely take a one 0 win. Um, I think it'll be one all. I think we can certainly get a point from it. Um, I can see an Arsenal red card as well. That's what I'm going for. So we'll put a little bit of money on that. Um, I can definitely see us us trying it under the skin in some way, shape, or form. So I think that uh, that'll be that'll be part of the of the game. But as you know, a draw, as I said earlier, on, would be would be a real positive. And you know, we, we do need something to, to sort of kickstart the season a little bit. We've had a little bit of positivity given the fact that we got our first pointers. You know, people might argue we, sh- we should be winning that game, and we should. But you know, a points better than none. And obviously, got to win in the in the league cup as well. So I'm going to say I'm going to say one all. Um, and we've lost Pete unfortunately. He's had to leave us prematurely. Um, so Pete would have said five and Everton as well. Beto Hatzik and uh, and two for James Tarkovsky from a uh, from a corner. So I'll uh, we'll see how that plays out as well. But that's us. That's us for this week. It's a bit of a bumper show. Obviously, we with us being off last week. Uh, but always good to to get back behind the microphone and have a have a chat. If you can give us obviously a bit of a rating on Spotify and, and Apple, uh, that'll that'll really help us as well. Uh, make sure those are in the fantasy league, you get your fantasy teams in. I'm I'm doing really well for once after a real a real solid start. If and any tips come my way, uh, absolutely expert expert in the in the previous game week. Lee's laughing because he's just jealous because uh, I had such a good week. Uh, but not many people had Harland and Ferguson up front, did they? But. You know, I was my, my microphone's back on now because he wants to say something about his, about you, his little you, baby. You, hold on, you, you, you do this every year, mate. You do this every year. You're the type of manager that comes in, has an instant impact, and then gets sacked after about three months, <laughs> and, 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 then, and then walks away with seven million quid. Listen, I'm, I'm not averse to that kind of performance, uh, but I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I've been a shining light in a couple of these game weeks so far this season, so we'll see how that plays out anyway. You know, um. You live and die by your decisions in this game, and, and whether I'm still interested to come the middle of October is uh, another story. But if I'm not, you will never hear about our fantasy for the rest of the season. Um, but as I say, that's that's us for this week. Do you want to say something, Lee, before I sign off? I was just going to say, mate. Well, class is in the form of winning two in a row, oh. isn't it? You know what I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, some would say Guardiola. I mean, I mean, that's all I'm saying. Some would say you need to get a life and you spend too much time listening to these fantasy league podcasts and, and reading articles about what players you that you should pick and, and copying the experts' teams, but that's just that's just my opinion. Um that's just knowledge, mate. Just knowledge. You can't just copy the team, they don't win it every year. I mean, no. yeah, it's just knowledge, mate. It's just knowledge. Yeah, okay. Okay. I, I believe you. Thousands, thousands of them, but that's us for this week. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back ourselves next week. Obviously, it's a late game on a Sunday, so the chances are we'll be out Monday, Tuesday after the Arsenal game. So look back on that and look ahead to the difficult trip to Brentford the following weekend. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Podcast Network.